Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the. Uh, I forgot my music, allies. Oh no! Come on, Jeff. Come on, do it. Let's start again. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode ninety-four of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Today, we discuss shot selection when you're forced to defend, where you should be hitting the ball on your bat, how to maintain focus over several matches, and how you can download Pink Skills videos to your phone. As always, Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeffrey, and you need the music. You've got to get the music at 6.30 in the morning. Absolutely, and I need to maintain my focus so I can get that music on there. So I'll be listening when you answer that focused question, Alois. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, with, with that renewed focus I have, I want to talk about yesterday's Ping Skillers question of the day, which is, after winning the German National Championships, can Timo Boll win the world title? Uh I'd like to think so, but I think it's too big a step up. You know, I think the Worlds are such a difficult event to win um, against the the swag of Chinese players that are going to be there. Be nice, and he did look in very good form and and just fitness as well. He looked uh, he looked in really good shape physically. Um, you know, maybe he's he's just setting himself for this one big event. Uh, you know, maybe he realizes that. It's probably his one of his last uh, last chances. Maybe I'm I'm gonna say sorry, Timo. You can't win it. I mean, I think too many things would have to fall into place for him. Like you said, there's a, a swag of Chinese players, but there's also a lot of European players coming up that are challenging Timo, and you know he has trouble against Ovtcharov. Um, I just don't think he can get there. But hopefully, I'm wrong. Let's let's. But don't forget he is playing doubles with Ma Long and that is a big chance for him. Maybe that's what he's really setting himself for. Maybe maybe he knows that that's his chance. Yes. Uh, in there, I think you're right. He is. They are a big chance, that pair, to win that doubles title. Um, not long to go. Alice, it's coming up quickly, so it's um, going to start to get very exciting. Yeah, it's only about... Uh, Seven weeks or so, yeah, a bit less than seven weeks till the, till the world. So, you know, the players will be in, um, you know, starting to really uh, hone hone in on on the worlds. That'll be a big focus for them over the next couple of months. Certainly will. All right, now, Alois, the Ping Skillers question of the day is: What will you be doing for World Table Tennis Day on April sixth? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the ITTF for the first time have uh, decided to have a World Table Tennis Day um, on April the 6th and it's re really focused about um, development and participation. So if you're out there, if you um, have things to do with a club, you know, maybe get uh, alert them to it and uh, try to get them on board and see if we can get uh, lots happening for World Table Tennis Day. You know, we always talk about trying to increase the profile of the game. Uh, this is just another little way that we can uh, perhaps help. So, so have a bit of a think about it over the next week or so, and uh, and put in your comments um, on the show, and just let us know. And maybe you've got some really good ideas 
of things that we can do for World Table Tennis Day on April the 6th. It's a Monday, uh, but, you know, um, I think it's uh, the Monday after Easter. So it might be a public holiday in a lot of places. Um, so, yeah, have a think about what, uh, what you or your club might be able to do for World Table Tennis Day, April the 6th. April the 6th, excellent. All right, let us know. World Table Tennis Day. All very exciting stuff, Alois. Let's get into the questions. First from Johan, who says, Why do offensive players seem to prefer the lob rather than chop when they're forced to defend? Yeah, so, um, Johan, it's, it's probably just an easier stroke to get on the table. Um, that When someone smashes it, it's quite difficult to make the backspin ball. Um, you have to be very precise and exact. I think it's a much more effective stroke if you can chop it, but it is more, much more difficult to do. Um, the other thing with the lob is it does give you a lot of time. So, you know, just depending on how much time you have, you can lob the ball higher or lower um, to, uh, to make it a little bit more difficult. You know, I mean, it's not a stroke that you want to be playing most of the time, well, most of us, um, but you... Um, if you're forced back there, then a lob can be quite effective. Some of the just um, simple tips about the lob, um, try to get the ball as deep as you can on the table, uh, on the other end of the table. If you can get the ball deep, then it forces the, uh, the smasher away from the table. And also, if you can get as much topspin as you can on the lob, um, again, that, that means that the ball kicks and pushes them a little bit further away from the table. So, so that's what you're aiming to do. And if you can get them back away from the table, then you can start to move back in closer and uh, make more of an offensive stroke yourself. All right, great tips there. And hopefully that answers your question, Johan. All right, now, uh, Dita wants to know, Alois, are you guys generically good-humoured to be so cheerful in the morning, or is it just the Australian sun? Uh, yeah, that must be genetic. Um, although the, the sun has been good the last uh, few weeks. Had a beautiful day in Melbourne yesterday again. Um, I don't know, maybe, you know, um, you should see us after the show. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yes, yeah, we have enjoyed the sun. It has been good. Melbourne's not particularly known for its weather. You know, if you want good weather, I guess you go to Sydney or Brisbane somewhere like that, maybe even Perth, um, yeah, but Melbourne, it has put on some nice weather over the last few days. All right, Andrew has um, asked a question, and Andrew says, I notice when I practice my forehand, the ball marks on the bat are closer to and below the handle. Where should I be making contact on the bat? Should it be more in the middle of the bat or, say, on the trailing edge or leading edge of the bat? Yeah, so um, so for um, control, hitting the ball in the middle of the bat is probably the, the best. So that's you know what they call the sweet spot. Um, you know, uh, it's where the ball comes out uh, best and it, it performs the best. But when you're starting to think a little bit more about topspin, um, for the forehand, you want to be getting that ball a little bit closer to the top edge um, there. Um, for the backhand topspin, we tend to try to get the ball a little bit closer to this end here because with the with the backhand, you're using your wrist a lot more. 
So that part of the racket is moving faster, um, especially with the backhand. So for the backhand, closer to this sort of area here. Um, for the forehand, when you don't use your wrist as much, um, it's more uh, closer to the top of the racket to generate um, good spin as well. So, yeah, interesting. Um, experiment a little bit for yourself. Just um, when, you, when you're doing your warm-up, just hit the ball um, on your racket, but start to get a bit of awareness of where it's hitting on the racket, and you'll start to feel, oh, okay, so that one hit the middle and it felt good, or that one hit down here and it felt good or it felt bad. So just experiment for yourself a little bit and just see um, what feels right when you're, when you're hitting the ball as well. Interesting, Alois. Now, when you're playing or coaching, do you um, actually instruct people where to hit the ball or do you just focus on other things and that contact position happens naturally? What's the best way to sort of learn this? Um, yeah, so uh, I think um, letting it happen naturally is good, but I do sometimes um, point that out to players. Uh, Especially if, if they if they look like they're doing the stroke well and you know they've, they've really got good control over it, then you can start to think about um, the the subtle things like where you're hitting the ball on the racket and just starting to generate a little bit more spin or less spin or whatever it is that you you're looking for. So I guess it's a little bit like we talked about in last episode where we were talking about focusing on something and then it becoming automatic. So. Perhaps it's good to experiment and really focus on where you're hitting the ball occasionally just to notice those things and you might learn something from it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, with learning, learning with anything, it's about just focusing um, on that particular area um, and getting awareness of what's happening and then you'll start to be able to improve it. Yep. Great. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Andrew. Um, all right. Um, now, here's a question from Lucas, who's jumped online and asked a question with the Google Q&A app. He says, my club is arranging a tournament in April. It's from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., two days in a row. Any tips on how to prepare for this tournament? Yeah, so, um, so the tournament's about maybe four weeks away. So in this sort of time, it's uh, now important to start to focus a little bit more on your... Um, game routines and your third ball type drills. So focusing on your service and your return of serve. So those early parts of the rally, because that's the thing that really wins you points in matches um, and things that you'll be doing a lot. So so start to focus a lot on um, service and third ball um, in the next in the next couple of weeks. Um, as far as preparing for such a long tournament um, over two days, uh, I mean, Making sure you've got a bit of a plan about your eating um, and your drinking, you know, uh, making sure that you're prepared on the days uh, with food and water, especially. Um, have a little bit of think about what types of food you're going to take um, to the tournament as well. If you're there for 12 hours, you need to eat. You need to eat regularly um, over that time period. So yeah, so there's there's a couple of tips. Any other things that you can think of, Jeff? Um, no, I think that covers it quite nicely, Alice, and I guess it leads into our 52-week training plan that we have um, available for our premium members, um, which covers different areas. It's got like each four-week chunk, we break it up into different areas, and at the end of that 52-week program, we have 
I think maybe even two lots of four weeks about tournament preparation where we talk about all the things you should be practicing as you get towards a game, which is what you talked about, you know, honing your service and your, your return and um, your third ball attack um, and, and actually practicing more of that rather than, um, you know, more consistency stuff which you practice earlier. So um, that's a really good part of the site um, for our premium members. So if you are a premium member, hopefully you're utilising that. And if you're not a premium member, sign up and give it a try. I'm sure you will enjoy the 52-week training plan. And good luck with the tournament, Lucas. Um, keep us updated once um, for, on your training and how you go once the tournament arrives. Uh, yeah, remember, just get out there and have fun on the day and uh, do your best. All right, Alois, that moves us on to a question from Roman. He says, when I start my first match against the strongest opponent, I often win the match without any troubles. But in the next game, when I play against lower-rated players, I can't focus anymore. Have you got any ideas for my mental misery? <laughs> yes, Roman. Um, so it, it's interesting because Roman talks about playing the better player first up and doing reasonably well um, and then moving on to playing weaker players and not doing so well later in the later in the night. So it can be two things. It can be physical and mental. So um, physically, you probably just need to think about um, making sure, again, like we talked about in the previous question, about being uh, prepared uh, with food, water, making sure that you've eaten well um, so that you can last those few hours. I mean, those, those competition nights do tend to uh, last, you know, three, four hours sometimes. So that's quite a long period to uh, to sustain your your energy levels. Um, take lots of breaks. So when you're not playing a match, make sure you take a little bit of time out just to stop, relax. If you if you're trying to be switched on completely for four hours, uh, it, it just won't work. So um, plan on just going outside the hall just for five minutes sometimes. You know, so, sometimes you'll have umpiring uh, duties and that sort of thing as well, as we do with um, teams games. But if you're not umpiring or not playing, just take five minutes, just walk outside, give yourself a little bit of a mental refresher as well. Um, you know, just sitting in the hall and watching table tennis for the four hours, again, can be, can be quite mentally demanding. Um, it's good to support your teammates, but try not to get too involved emotionally with the match as well because then, again, you're basically switched on and, and emotionally you're working so hard for um, not only your match but also for the other for the other matches. So, um, you know, support your teammates but try not to get too excited or, or um, worked up about when they're playing as well. So, so there's a few tips. I mean, physically you can think about you know, do you, can, are there things that you can improve physically? Can you improve your um, uh, your stamina or your aerobic capacity? Um, you know, doing a little bit more walking or jogging or um, those sort of things can also help. You know, so maybe you're just getting tired um, towards the second half of the um, the evening. So yeah, there's a few tips for you, Roman. Yeah, good good ideas there, Alice, and hopefully that helps you out, Roman. One other thing. I see in this question, and it seems to be quite a common theme, Alois, is I play well against the stronger players, but I don't play so well against the weaker players. Um, is this a common theme you see as well? Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's a good angle, Jeff, because um, it, 
I mean, different styles or different um, types of players. So, so when we talk about playing against better players, maybe maybe we're talking about players that hit the ball, you know, really nice and cleanly and a little bit faster. So the ball's coming onto you, and and um, it might just suit your style. Whereas the weaker players might play slower. Um, you know, with funny spins, the ball doesn't quite come off as well, um, and then it throws your um, timing and your balance out as well. So being able to adjust to that is really important. Um, uh, waiting or, or having the ability to wait for the ball when the ball's going a little bit slower is is important. Um, I do. I, I see a lot of players who, um, you know, they're fantastic when we're we're doing our backhands and forehands at this pace. You know, they all the strokes seem to flow really nicely. But as soon as you throw in a slower slower ball, then they're still hitting at that pace and they're, they're mucking up their timing. So it's just that ability to adjust to the, the, the variations in the pace, the slower ball, having the ability to wait um, in your position for the ball to come to you uh, when you've got a little bit more time rather than rushing out and hitting it here. So waiting and just executing your, your stroke and technique as well. So, yeah, um, good point because... Um, weaker and stronger is is definitely you know it's it it can be it, it dependent on what su suits your style as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Roman, and hopefully those answers help you out. All right. Now, Ashok has asked, how can I download the videos onto my iPhone? This is yours, Jeffrey. This is um, you're the expert. Okay. So our our premium members get, uh, get the option of downloading videos to their computer to keep forever. So um, depending on your membership, if you're month if you're a monthly member, you can download ten videos a month. If you're quarterly, you can download fifty. And if you're a yearly member, you get unlimited downloads. So you can download all our videos to keep forever. Now. Um, when you go to our website and you find a video you like, you just click on the download link and it will download the video to your computer. Now, with an iPhone, which I think Ashok was talking about, you then just need to use iTunes um, to load it onto your phone. So when you've downloaded the file to your computer, you copy it into iTunes, plug in your phone, and then you can select the videos to upload onto your phone. Simple as that, really easy to do, um, and then you've got them on your iPhone. So hopefully that helps you out, Ashok. All right, I might have to uh, try that one, Jeff. Excellent. Easy to do. Uh, well, not so easy. I haven't got an iPhone. Ah, good point. Yes. Well, um, I think it's even easier with Android because you just copy it to your computer and then you can just copy it to your phone. You don't need to use iTunes. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right, Sarang's asked a question, Alois. And Sarang asks, how to block a heavy topspin if you're about one metre away from the table? I find it difficult to block it and it always goes out of the table as I can't control it. Ah, yeah, this is a difficult ball. It, uh, it might seem quite easy, but um, when you're a little bit further away from the table um, and they topspin to you, the ball tends to dip and gets quite low um, on the table. It's a lot about just your touch, so it's almost like um, a combination of a block and a lob. So 
if you if you if you're up close to the table, you're blocking the ball there. If you're a little bit further away, you need to lift the ball um, a fraction, and it's about just having the touch and the control to to block or lob the ball um, as low as you can over the net onto the other person's side. When the ball's spinning heavily, even when you're back here, the ball does tend to kick up off your bat. So it's about adjusting the angle and just being nice and soft with your hand and almost like you're throwing the ball back um, nice and low over the net. The, the Keeping the ball low is the real key to making an effective stroke from back there. If you, um, if you lob from that sort of distance, they're going to uh, really put you away. So um, just try to yeah, block or lob um, the ball. Um, th there's a shot that they call the, the fisk or the fish fishing, um, which is which is a stroke that you can type, uh, play as well, which is basically just that that low flying low flying lobbing. Yeah, it's a difficult shot, isn't it? Um, I guess you want to try and stay closer if the opponent is looping those heavy topspins to you. Um, one meter is not a huge distance as well, Alice. I guess as you get better, you could try and counter topspin some of those strokes. Yeah, you could. It, um, yeah, it's something that's possible. Um, but yeah, it, it's a difficult ball, isn't it? Um, because because it's dipping and it's and it gets quite low on you when you're a meter away from the table. So um, yeah. it hasn't got much pace on it. Um, yeah. So uh, I suppose the other the other key is just trying to get your um, yourself into a good position. Um, uh, to, to hit the ball too. Um, I often see that when that happens, uh, players are reaching out in front of them because the ball is dipping and, and getting quite low on them. So they, they're reaching out here and from here um, the ball does tend to kick up because you lose you lose your control out there. So um, you know just adjusting your position slightly to where that ball is going to be um, at a better height for you to play. All right. Well, good good tips there for Sarang, uh, Alois. And, yeah, keep working on it, Sarang. And the more you play, the more you're going to generate that feel and the easier they, those shots are going to become. But they are difficult, so don't get discouraged. Keep working on it, and I'm sure you'll improve. All right. Um, Daniel has jumped on and asked a question, again, with the Google Q&A app. So thank you, Daniel. Daniel says, man, I went to the club last night and I got beaten badly. Last week I felt better. Do players go through these streaks, cold and hot, and is it normal to have good days and bad days? Absolutely. All right. So, I mean, um, I don't know any player that uh, goes out to train or to play and has a good day every time they go out there. It is completely normal to uh, sometimes go out there and feel fantastic, and sometimes go out there and feel like you're an absolute beginner. You know, I mean, you, you sometimes you, you go out there and you can't even serve properly, or you can't block the ball, and it just feels completely wrong. Completely normal. Um, and um, if you if it's not happening to you, can you just let me know because I want to know your, your secret. Um, but just you've just got to ride it. Okay, understand sometimes you're just not going to play as well. Um, just get out there, do your best, try your best, see see how well you can play on those days um, and the good days will come, Daniel, so don't worry. Excellent. 
Excellent. That's a great place to leave it. The good days will come. All right. So that wraps up episode 94. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And um, thanks for all your questions. Make sure to check out our website, pingskills.com. Sign up for our free newsletter. And lastly, thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom. Uh, no problems, Jeff. Did you like that the good days will come? Uh, it's brilliant. What a great way to finish. Excellent. All right, let's hope it's a good day for everybody out there. <laughs> See you tomorrow.